Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The information contained on this platform represents the opinion of the host and shall not be understood, construed as or a substitute for medical or health advice. Please see a health professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. It's the Black Health 365 podcast, and we are here to make sure you look good on the outside and even better on the inside. After all, looking good, feeling good, and living a healthy lifestyle 365 days of the year should be a daily choice. Here at the Black Health 365 podcast, we will address the healthcare disparities within the Black community with trusted voices and information to empower a healthy lifestyle. Ain't that right, Britt? I'm talking about mind, body, and soul. Well, greetings and salutations, 365ers. I am Jackie Page, a radio personality as well as fitness instructor, <laughs> joined by my co-host. What's good, 365ers? Jackie is definitely more on that title list. It's Fred Daniels, your co-host of the Black 365, and it is our mission to be champions of truth and change by providing y'all with personalized healthcare information from trusted professionals. We're here to make sure the Black community thrives all year long with this information. So, Jackie... Let's get into it. We've got a great conversation coming up. We do have a great conversation coming up. And because we have talked to her already, I feel like it's just only right that like I just grab her and bring her into the conversation already. Uh, Dr. Ebony Butler is a licensed psychologist and food relationship strategist who has made it her mission to help women of color heal from food and body trauma experienced through diet culture. How are you doing, doctor? Hey, Jackie and Britt. I'm doing well. Thank y'all so much for having me again. Listen, the last conversation was amazing. So, you know, we had to reel you back in and get you to drop some more jewels. Um, Let's go ahead and kick it off with some check-ins real quick, fast and in a hurry. Uh, Britt, how you doing? Today, Jackie, um, I'm teetering on feeling overwhelmed. But I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to reel it in and recognize the wins of the day. Um, so a lot of big things going on. As you know, I run multiple businesses. and There's been a lot of things gravitating towards me and things are scaling up. And with that scaling process, there are growing pains. And um, I'm trying to stay committed to the fact that I, I want all the smoke. I want all the, all, the, all the things that come along with it so that I can speak to the narrative when we get it where we want it to be. So that's where I'm at. Uh, Jackie, what's happening with you? Um, I am trying to keep my head above the water, kind of like you. Um, I don't run multiple businesses, but I do do 152 million things. And there's 152 million plus five um, that are being put on my plate right now. So very thankful, um, you know, that I have all the opportunities coming my way and very thankful for everything that is, you know, present in my life. But um, whew, just trying to take a second to breathe, stretch and shake because it is a lot. Um, it's a lot. 
it's it's a lot. Um, so yeah, just trying to keep my head above water and just take a few moments to sit and you know just breathe because I feel like sometimes we rerun, 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 and we hold our breath and then we find ourselves burned out. And I'm trying not to do that. So while I'm running, I'm just trying to take a second to uh, to make sure that I breathe in the process. Uh, Doctor Ebony, how are you doing today? You know, very much like you, Jackie. I'm just sitting with some things. Um, I had my own therapy session today. And I am sitting with some takeaways and letting it just kind of like marinate and process and work through some things in my mind, just kind of like letting things just be. Um, so that's why I am. I think a lot of times I'm ready to just jump into the next thing. And right now I'm just processing still what came up in therapy. But it's good stuff. So I'm excited. I hear that. I hear that. There's nothing wrong with sitting, stopping and smelling the flowers. I think that's something that we all need to do a better job of is just sitting and just being present. And like you said, letting stuff marinate so that um, we can really internalize it and, and, and be better people um, from what we're we're taking in and we're internalizing. So, it's it's yeah. so funny that you two brought this concept up because as a 365 ers know, I do these Dharma talks and set the tone for the conversation. And that actually was a Dharma talk for today. Um, sitting with things as we make transitions in our life, as we know we're heading into the fall season. And I encourage people who have maybe been going go, 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 go all summer to reflect on the fall and the winter or times where it's a little bit more softness that should be allowed into our lives and sitting with concepts, sitting with understanding where we have, what we have done, what was convenient for us in this season may not necessarily be the same in the next season. And in that process, Sometimes just sitting, just, just shutting up, just being silent, <laughs> recognizing your behaviors. What behaviors serve you now that may not serve you in the future? We're going to talk a lot about behavior today because we're talking about eating disorders and um, how certain behaviors truly don't serve us um, and where that misalignment comes from. From sitting still, we can find out what alignment really is. Let's get into this conversation. Yeah, and that's real. Um, and speaking of behaviors um, and going into a new season, um, you know, cleaning is a behavior that um, a lot of people <laughs> need to do. Um, I, 365ers, you know, we find these random articles um, and reels and stuff like that that we like to bring to the table. And I found one recently from health.com. And um, it, it was very shocking um, because I actually walk around on a day in and day out basis with this little gadget on. Um, the article talked about how this little gadget right here on your wrist, this little situation right here um, can actually harvest a lot of bacteria a lot of bacteria because <laughs> Brit is your face for me. Um, but it's because I think the article said um, they grabbed like 20 different watches. They tested the watches and out of the 20 watches that they tested, I think like 95% of them ended up coming back with some type of like bacteria on them. Um, e. coli was one of them. Staph was another one of them. Yeah, because people aren't cleaning their watches. Um, they were saying like the the rubber bands, which is something that I'm actually wearing right now. Um, the rubber and the plastic bands tend to be the worst. Um, but yeah, um, you know, talking about behaviors, 365ers, if you were wearing a watch, um, a sports watch, you need to start cleaning this thing like on a regular basis. The article said if you are in the gym 
And I'm, you know, talking to myself right now, but if you're in the gym on a regular basis, you really need to be cleaning yours like every day. If you're not in the gym on a regular basis, um, then maybe once a week. Um, Dr. Ebony, what, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, my face, I, I'm an expressive person and my emotions and expressions all the time come across on my face. So I'm trying to like widen my eyes so I don't look so obvious. But yeah, this is this is bothersome because I'm just going to be transparent. I was putting my watch on one day and my wrist started itching. But this is exactly why. Because it needs to be cleaned. <laughs> I don't think we think about that. But also, we need to clean our to clean our watches so this is a good reminder thank you a very necessary reminder um and it's so funny jackie us being both trainers i have all my clients who love to wear their watches to track every single thing they do like this one client when she goes on these subscribe hot girl walks um throughout <laughs> in the city she got a little ten thousand steps in and um i just imagine her as hot as it is in dc right now i'm i'm, I'm gonna make sure i give all my clients this reminder: clean clean watch clean earphones and the article, and it's funny that you bring up the the headphones as the article did mention that as well. They did say, the article did say like, you know, or headphones are another thing um, that does need to be cleaned on a regular basis. And Dr. Ebony, funny, you know, you're saying your arm was itching. Uh, maybe about six months ago. I don't know if I was wearing my watch too tight or if I just hadn't cleaned it, but I started to get like a little red situation on my arm. Started to clean it um, on a, if not an everyday basis, every other day basis with alcohol, and it immediately went away. Um, so 365ers, if you are not cleaning your headphones and your watch, it's time to do that, especially if you were hitting the gym and you were working out and you're sweating on a regular basis. You need to be cleaning that thing off on a regular basis, honey. Find some, 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 some alcohol, apple cider vinegar. Um, I'm trying to think what were the other, it was apple cider vinegar, Lysol, and there was one other thing that they said were really good as far as cleaning it off. I just get like some alcohol and wipe mine off um, every night before I get in the bed. So 365ers, that's one of your, what's your 365? Just thought I would throw that out there, but now we can get into <laughs> the conversation. And today, 365ers, we are talking um, more about food, more about eating. We're talking about eating disorders and the Black community. Um, this should be a really interesting conversation because I don't think that we really talk about or address eating disorders in the Black community. We think it's something that we don't deal with and it's something that we do deal with. Absolutely, Jackie. And I just want to give full vulnerability in this moment to say that someone who has tampered with bodybuilding, someone who was, I considered overweight, obese, came from a family who didn't have a real general understanding of health mentally or physically for most of my life, that I suffered from eating disorders when I began my fitness journey. Um, where I was purging myself of food um, if I felt like it didn't serve my body or what my goals at the time. And it took a long time to really get out of that mindset. Um, and I know too many men, especially, you know, people in general, especially the black people don't talk about it, but how many men, you know, saying, man, I had, I had an eating disorder at home. Like, I, I was throwing up in the bathroom at Chili's. But you know what I'm saying? So I just want to say that like this is going to be a vulnerable conversation. It may be triggering for some 365ers listening. But again, we're here to provide y'all with personalized healthcare information. Um, and we got to talk about how else we're going to fix the situation. Dr. Ebony, let's, let's, let's go ahead and get into it. We, we talked a lot about diet culture on a previous episode. And so much of diet culture influences eating disorders. But it's more than that. 
uh, it's historical things too. I'm, I'm so excited to get into it. To keep it super simple to start off, let's define in general, what is a eating disorder? Thank you so much, Britt, for sharing your journey and being vulnerable and transparent about, about what you've experienced. So many black men and men in general don't share that because it's thought to be a woman's issue and particularly it's thought to be a white woman's issue. So the fact that you're sharing that and being vulnerable enough to do so brings awareness to that this is an us issue and it's happening with us as well. All right. So an eating disorder by definition is uh, a sort of a pattern of eating where you are restricting or purging to kind of get rid of food or ex eliminate food from your body uh, to, to be within a particular weight range or to manage a particular type of anxiety. And it's eating disordered when it significantly disrupts your daily functioning. So there's disordered eating patterns and then there's eating disorder where it's diagnosable. We don't diagnose things unless there's a significant disruption to your day-to-day -day life. It's causing significant impairment and significant dysfunction. Uh, Many of us are on the disordered eating side of things where we just have some characteristics, some behaviors here and there where we're not clinically diagnosable. And some of us think that because we're not clinically diagnosable that we don't have that. But when we're on the more disordered eating side of things, we have some stuff that's sprinkled um, here and there where we are starving ourselves. You know, that's typical of an eating disorder exercising excessively to shrink your body, purging laxatives, trying to eliminate food from your body, extreme um, nutrient counting. Those are things that are also disordered eating patterns. Those things that when you look at it, your body is asking for a particular thing, but you're nutrient deficient. And we're nutrient deficient because we're engaging in patterns and behaviors that's not allowing us to get the right nutrients in our bodies. And so we're on the more disordered uh, side of things. Or it's we're um, taking in too much. So we're overdoing it to compensate for a particular issue, maybe feel a void, maybe comfort uh, ourselves if there's been some trauma or tragedy in our lives. So it can look either type of way. Um, but the disordered range, we're going to see your anorexia, your bulimia, um, and then this thing where it's not in the DSM, but um, orthorexia, where there's an obsession with clean eating. You mentioned some of uh, where uh, eating disorder, where eating disorders come from. Are there some other, where, are there other areas or other places that eating disorders come from? Is it trauma? Is it a genetic thing? Um, is it, you know, society? Um, what are some, where do eating disorders come from? It's all of those things, right? Um, if we think about middle school, let's think about middle school where we pick up a lot of behaviors from our peers. Sometimes it's learned, right? If you are a person who struggles with your weight or struggles with emotion regulation and your peers introduce you to this mechanism by which you can regulate yourself, then you can pick it up and find that you like it. Um, it's no different than picking up alcohol or picking up a substance, uh, picking up cutting behaviors, that kind of thing. So you find that you like it and that's what you end up doing to get the desired outcome, whether that's to feel better about yourself, to feel like you're more right, um, to feel like, whew, I cleanse myself of that. I'm going to be in the safe range. Um, that won't stack on the, the pounds. So whatever that is, so you can learn it. You can pick it up from your family. Think about how many times we grew up hearing our uh, moms, aunties, older cousins, big sisters talk about, oh, I need to lose weight. 
that's something that I need to do. And then we find out what they're doing to lose weight, whether that's taking laxatives, taking pills, um, over-exercising. Those are the things we can also pick up. So your environment plays a role in that. And also it can be something that you pick up on your own when you're dysregulated and you're like, okay, what do I need to do to control what's happening with me? And then you feel like, oh, I'm going to purge myself of this. And that clean, that cleanliness, that feeling of having eliminated something makes you feel lighter and you learn that's what you need to do. It's almost like you had a release. And that's what a lot of people find too when they have uh, engaged in cutting behaviors. So it can be any of those things. When you talk about genetics, there is this thing called epigenetics, which means that you're passing down things uh, from generation to generation. And mainly we're talking about the mom that passes down things to the child. So if your mom struggled with some mood disorder or or anxiety issue, emotion dysregulation, then by five months, you have all the cells that your mom have. And so that's being passed down to you as well. And so some of that stuff can be ingrained in you and it can be almost automatic. And so you have what we call a predisposition to some of these things, right? Just like you can have a predisposition to alcoholism, predisposition to substance use. You can have a predisposition to some of these behavioral issues that if nurtured in the right way or exposed in the right way can then be exacerbated. I love that you brought up predispositions. I love that you brought up epigenetics. I'm a big nerd. Um, and um, talking about how trauma is passed on literally through our DNA code, talking now from there, talking about how culturally and historically black people as a community have been displaced and have lack of access to certain resources. And so when you speak on we're predisposed to certain things or our environments can um, activate these DNA um, patterns and lead to those dis disorders. Um, it's, it's so much there that's 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 hard. That's, it's sad to hear. It's 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 really really sad to hear. Um, what can I say here for people who want to support people who maybe have an eating disorder? What are some red flags that we can point out that are whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Eating disorders. So the classic ones are going to be uh, excessive restriction. So restricting in any way, um, rapid weight loss, um, dis disturbed kind of like mood, not wanting to eat around anybody, becoming really anxious, um, carrying a, a reset, like a container with them. Some people have gotten really good at showing or ways that they eliminate food. And so they can just kind of like bring it right back up in a soda can sometimes. Um, and you never know, but there's some things that you can pay attention to as people with an eating disorder tends to isolate more they become a lot more fixated on their weight their image a lot more hyper focused on uh likability people pleasing um the the irritability is increased fatigue because if you're not getting the nutrients then you're going to be fatigued you won't have as much energy spending long long hours in the gym i remember even when i was bodybuilding you know you're in prep mode and your show is in, in a couple of weeks you sh you lose a lot of body weight really fast 
right? And so then you're, you you lose muscle tone in your face or you lose just kind of a lot of the fat leaves your body, really. And so I even had people ask me, are you okay? Because you're losing weight way more rapid than what we remember or what we're used to seeing. And so asking people those questions, I think is helpful. Um, also, if you're seeing increased weight gain, um, obsession around food or excessive ordering of, of things like, oh, I want to go here and I want to go there. Um, periods where you're starving and then binging. If you find that somebody is just kind of like wanting a, a pattern of just wanting excess amounts of food, a variety of foods, there may be something going on. But one of the telltale signs will be isolation, irritability, increased anxiety, obsession with mood body, um, it's obsession with body image, other people's bodies, like being good enough, fitting within that range of, of what accepting or acceptable would be. So those are some of the signs. Eating disorders are not as easy to point out as um, as other issues like depression and things like that, but they all tend to, to kind of work together and you'll start seeing some of those things. And that was going to be my next question. Um, I feel like because it's hard to point it out, um, people who are actually dealing with eating disorders don't really know or they don't really want to accept the fact that they are dealing or that they may be actually... Um, they have an eating disorder. Um, how, I, I don't want to say like, how will somebody know? Cause we kind of went over that, but I guess, how does somebody kind of move into acceptance of the fact that they have a, a eating disorder? Because, you know, if I'm the person that's going through this, oh, I just did this once. I just did this twice. Or, oh, I'm just doing this just for, you know, six months or, you know, for three months just to get here. But how does somebody move into that acceptance piece? You usually don't move there by yourself. You usually move there with uh, the help of a professional labeling and naming some things. I mean, it happens so often, even with trauma. A lot of people don't accept or identify that they've experienced trauma. It's very hard because to identify that you've experienced something may mean that you aren't as resilient as you think you are. And it may leave you more vulnerable to experience other things. Or you may not be as strong as you think you are. So honestly, it typically comes from a professional naming that this is that or a friend or a family member can say, hey, this doesn't sound like you. You're not yourself. Have you thought about talking to somebody? Your behavior kind of tells me that something is not okay with you. Something has changed. Maybe we can look at this being that. Would you be willing to talk to somebody? I really caution people on diagnosing each other if that's not your area of expertise, but just pointing out to people that, hey, something seems off in your personality, your mood. You're not the same. Um, I noticed that you're losing a lot of weight or I know it's not acceptable to speak on e anybody's weight either. But if you have a trusted family member or friend that you can really you have that rapport and relationship with and you can say, hey, I'm, I'm really concerned. Is there something that you want to talk about or would you be willing to talk to someone about something that may be going on with you? Are there any long term effects of of eating disorders? Yeah, there are a lot of uh, long-term effects. Um, physically, um, purging tends to impact your teeth health, um, your gum health, uh, your mouth health in general, because you're you're bringing up acid, right? Esophageal things, so your throat um, can suffer. So you're bringing up a lot of acid. You're um, kind of decreasing the the muscle strength. 
in your your throat so a lot of people have issues there stomach acids acid reflux um being able to hold things down uh, becomes an issue for folks also if you're on the purging side of things then you can um actually create some some deficits there you may throw your thyroid off or even either one can throw your thyroid off either the restricting or the purging other long-term impact may be um like if you're doing laxatives and things like that you may cause some issues with your colon your digestive system um those are some of the longer term impacts but mentally you'll see a lot of just not being able to bring yourself out of it really very much like substance use is something that you have to be in active recovery about uh probably for a very long time and have to be stay on top of for most of your life because it's easy to kind of like revert back happy 62nd birthday granddad thanks sweetheart i got you this a mug oh thank you uh, what does it say Beware, if you are 60 or older, you may be at increased risk of hospitalization from RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, compared to adults younger than 60. Not all dangers come with warning labels. Talk to your pharmacist or doctor about getting vaccinated against RSV today. Learn more at bewareofrsv.com. Brought to you by Pfizer. Interesting question. Do eating disorders affect women, black women? We're talking about black health 65 more or differently than men, considering more women have hormonal changes due to cycles and pregnancy and a host of other things that can affect eating disorders and your experience working with clients. Yes, and I just want to give a disclaimer that some of the stuff that I'm pointing out are very generalist in terms. If you kind of like want more specific information, then we can go down the rabbit hole with an eating disorder specialist and those questions will be answered in a more specific way. But in my experience, um, definitely with hormones, right? So if we think about the stress level in the brain, the stress level in our bodies, our reproductive organs, the, the amount of hormones that women tend to struggle with in the first place, eating and what we eat already impacts that. So imagine being in the disordered range where you are doing this at a level that is significantly disruptive or significant, then yes, Yes, you're going to see some impact in the way your hormones are showing up in your body, whether you have an excess or a deficit, they will be impacted. And you may see some things like thyroid functioning. So we're talking about um, the hypo and then the hyperthyroidism. You may see some changes in your iron levels for sure. Um, you're you're going to see some things maybe happening with your liver. You're going to see some things happening with your, if you do some estrogen progesterone checks, especially if you are people who already struggle with like things like PCOS or um, fibroids or endometriosis, nutrients and what you put in your body and um, how you balance that all out is super important. So if you're in the disorder range of things, then you can be impacting those in a way that is not helpful. If I have a, a eating disorder, if I know somebody who has an eating disorder, who should they go see? Do they go to their um, primary care physician? Do they need to seek a specialist? Who am I going to go see? Either one of those people that you have access to. I would never tell people to, oh, wait until you go see a therapist. Some people's first point of contact is their primary care physician. Some people's first point of contact is their OBGYN. So whomever you have access to, and if you feel like something is off, then that's definitely the person that you want to disclose it to and let them triage you. Let them refer you out to somebody else who can probably help. And most times they're going to say, oh, do you want to speak to a psychiatrist? Or I have a referral to a therapist who can help you more with this, a specialist. And so that's where you're going to want to start, whomever you have access to. A lot of times the conversation that we have 
in our culture is that people have eating disorders due to something called body dysmorphia. Could you define that for us? Yeah, in simple terms, it's basically seeing yourself very different than how everybody else sees you. Seeing your body as distorted, wrong, or having an irrational image of what your body looks like. So seeing something in the mirror or in a picture that no one else can see but you. For example, if you're um, smaller, you may see yourself as larger. Or if you um, just just have some traditional features, you may see that as flawed or something just severely um, sort of distorted. It's almost like looking in, you ever been to a carnival and went to the glass house? So it's almost like seeing yourself in, in through one of those uh, mirrors. I can honestly say that I, I may still suffer from a little bit of body dysmorphia, but with my, you know, with my education as being a trainer and being in the wellness world and surrounding myself with supportive people, uh, they put sense in my head where I don't, I don't put the sense um, to myself to be fully forthright. I, I feel like I'm small. Like I go to a lot of bodybuilding gyms and I feel like I'm, I'm petite <laughs> compared to some of these guys. But then I also know the self work. Why am I comparing myself to these dudes who, um, who may have assistance from other means, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. But <laughs> um, so body dysmorphia is definitely something I, as a man, have um, struggled with and continue to work with. Um, and it's it's yeah, it's it's, it's psychological. And we need we need a psychological support. <laughs> it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And if we're really honest about it, a lot of us do still struggle with seeing ourselves very different than how people see us. Right. And so you're picking at yourself in the mirror. And so we call these checking behaviors. If you're picking at your side or picking at your back or picking at your thighs or picking at your 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 boobs or picking at your butt or picking at your legs. But basically, you're you ever seen people pinch themselves to just see how big they are, how small they've gotten. They walk past the mirror. They're checking themselves out because we really see ourselves super different than what everybody else sees us. And usually that's on the negative end of things. Most times people see us far more positive than we see ourselves, but the, because of the things that we've gone through, the messages that we've received, we see ourselves in a very different light that tends to be more of the distorted, something is wrong with me, I'm flawed end of things. And I hate to say this, but I feel like body dysmorphia is something that a lot of trainers deal with. Um, cause I can't look at you and tell you that I didn't grab my belly yesterday and be like, Ooh, girl, what is going on here? Um, I was once bigger and lost weight and was like super petite. And I mean, I'm petite, but I was like petite. Um, I've gained weight and now I'm trying to, you know, drop the weight down. And I, I, I've been in the same shoes where I'm just like, girl, you're thick, girl, you're looking big. And and I've had people tell me like, Jack, you look amazing. Like you look like, you know, you work out. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't see that. But I think a lot of that comes from, um, I think us, is, I, I think that's just a common thing with like trainers that we just, we spend a lot of time comparing and because we do so much comparing, we find ourselves, um, having a, a little body dysmorphia. I hate to say it, but I honestly feel like it's something we all kind of deal with in some way, shape or form. It's the truth. It's the truth. And we're constantly even more so now comparing ourselves to everybody because of the abundance of uh, images that we see on social media and, and what you see popularized and what you see glamorized and accepted and what gets paid and the people who get elevated and, and kind of put in front of more people. We're more and more seeing 
that these bodies are good. You need to change yours to fit that. Even though we logically know we all don't have the same body type. My body will never look like yours and yours will never look like mine. We'll never look like these people we see all the time. But sometimes, just sometimes we go there and we're really in the place where like, if only I did X, then I look like that. Or why am I not like that? And it really boils down to when we're in session, it really boils down to what's that connected to? What's your core belief? And a lot of times that core belief is I'm not good enough and I just wish I were better. On the opposite end of eating disorders, perhaps. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Or body dysmorphia, should I say. We have body positivity language and culture. And I can think of a few celebrities that I won't name that come to mind. Um, how do you feel about this, this movement of body positivity? So I have several thoughts about body positivity. I really, I like the movement because I like the essence of the movement. The essence of the movement is that all bodies are good bodies. All bodies deserve to be healthy. All bodies deserve to be praised and all bodies deserve to have space. That's the body positivity movement. I feel like it's been co-opted by a lot of different people to then uh, kind of to send the message that people want to send and it be, it's become exclusive to the people, to the very people who actually started the movement, which was black women. And so the body positivity movement has been co-opted and taken in another direction that doesn't give those people the credit. And so that's when I say I have several thoughts about it. In the essence of it, though, I do think that uh, body positivity serves to kind of give people permission to be in the acceptance phase of uh, health. This is what my body is. This is where we are. My body is good no matter what it is. I don't owe anybody an explanation for my body and how it shows up. I can take up space no matter what or how I look, no matter what weight I am, no matter what I eat. I love that because honestly, your body is your business and I love that. And so when we talk about that, I like it. But some people take the message and like we said before, interpret what they want to interpret which means that i don't have to take care of my body I, my body can do what i what i want it to do and that's true you don't have to take care of your body and you can do with it what you want because it's yours and that's not what that meant and that's not what that that means it just means that you know you get to take up space in this in any way that you want to too so it can be very complicated and complex when you think about all the ways that it's changed but i do like the messaging around you belong in the gym too you don't have to look like a size zero to be in the gym. You don't have to be muscular in order to to be an athlete. I do like it for that reason. And I do like that it gives more people permission to be seen and take up space. On the same note of body positivity, um, what advice would you give to a 365er listening right now about um, learning to be more positive to their body and giving themselves some grace um, when it comes to loving the body that they're in? Mm -hmm. First, I would leave with validation. And I honestly would say I get why it's hard to love the bodies that we occupy. 
I get it. A lot of the times the bodies that we have have endured so much trauma. It's been the source of a lot of pain. And a lot of times we just want to detach and we don't feel trusting of our bodies or of ourselves. So I get it. But if we're going to try to find our way back to our bodies and really find home in our bodies again, we do have to meet it with some compassion. And so we have to realize all the things our bodies helped us do. In the days where I'm picking at my body the most, I say things to myself like, girl, your body survived fibroid surgery removal. Your body survived uh, this Texas heat. Your body has survived all of these things. Your body survived. Your body can still push past this limit in your record, whatever you set for yourself when you're working out. Your body is healthy and is keeping you here and is holding you up and is doing exactly what you needed to do. Nope. You may not look how you looked when you were 35. And it's still doing the thing that it needs to do. Your numbers are great. Everything is coming back fine. You are healthy. And I have to continuously speak to myself that way to remind myself of what my body does and what it's doing for me because it's easy to get sucked into the negativity of it all and just wanting it to look a particular type of way. Another thing that I do too is I say, when you were at your most fit according to diet culture standards, you were the most unhappy you were in your life. You're the most unhappy and you were the most unhealthy. You didn't have, you know, and just to be transparent, you didn't speak about hormones, Britt. You didn't have a cycle. Your cycle has stopped. You were, you had edema really bad. So no matter what you ate, you blew up. You had, you know, all that stuff. So do you really want to look that way or are you just looking for something to control? Are you just feeling out of control? Are you just feeling unworthy, undeserving right now? What is going on? So it, it makes me dig a little bit deeper than just the surface when I do that. And so I encourage people to do that. Let's quote that 365. Are you really trying to look a certain way or are you just looking for something to control? That's a big takeaway. That might be what's your 365. Uh, doctor, before we, we finish this out, <laughs> is there anything that you would like to three, leave the 365ers with from this message about managing um, eating disorders or maybe even supporting a loved one who was in this process? Yeah, you know, I, I have to say one of the things that I really would love for us to do is to be gentle and compassionate with folks and not dismissive. I think because we have not seen a lot of this represented in our communities, it's easy to dismiss and say, oh, she just needs some attention or he just he just wants some attention. He he nothing to be depressed about. He that's just him. That's how he's always. We need to be a little bit more careful with how we dismiss people and minimize what they are going through. So one of the things that I will leave uh, everybody with is just to kind of like be gentle with who you're coming in contact with. If you have a relationship with people whose health you feel concerned about, find a gentle way to tell that to them from a place of care, love, and compassion, and offer support with finding help rather than ridiculing and criticizing because we all are dealing with something and some of us have found coping in manipulating our bodies. Some of, some of us have found coping in other ways that may not be helpful. And so all of us are trying to find our way back. And so being compassionate with ourselves um, in that regard, I think is most helpful. That right there, we are all dealing with something. Honey, I haven't said that one too many times to people because we are, and like you said, we're all dealing with something and how people deal with it is all different. So give grace, no matter what the situation is, we are all dealing with something. Even the people that look the happiest, they are dealing with something. Uh, Dr. Ebony, again, thank you so much for just joining us on the Black Health 365 podcast. Um, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to contact you on social media, where can they do that at? 
Absolutely. You can find me at Dr. Ebony online on Instagram, uh, all the socials, except for TikTok. I'm Dr. Ebony. And then um, you can find me at DrEbony.com on my website. Dr. Ebony, again, thank you. Uh, 365ers, as always, if you want to reach out to us, if you have something that you want us to address, hit us up on, hit us up on IG, Black Health 365. Again, that's Black Health 365. I'm on Instagram. Well, I'm on all social media at Love Jackie Page, YouTube, Instagram, X, um, you name it. I'm on it. Love Jackie Page. Britt, where can I find you at? And you guys can find me at profitfitness.life on all social media platforms. As we discussed earlier in our Dharma talk, it's the time to sit still and recognize what behaviors are going to serve you in this upcoming season. But as always, it's your responsibility to be the advocate of your health. This is the Black Health 365. Peace and I'm saying love. Black Health 365 is an Urban One and Reach Media production hosted by Jackie Page and Britt Daniels, created by Samuel Tatum and Laura Lopez, executive produced by Brittany Jackson and Kadisha Campbell, editing and production, Jahi Whitehead, sales and corporate sponsorship, Patty Johnson.